Good morning. And welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. My name is Dawson Taylor, and I serve as your senior minister, and it is truly a blessing to have you here this morning, no matter if you are worshiping with us for the very first time, if you're in town for the wine festival, if you are uh, here since the first day we worshiped, we are honored by your presence. We are also honored by those who are joining us via live stream, Facebook Live, and those who have uh, gathered together this morning at Arbor Trace, and then those, of course, who will download our audio podcast later this week. No matter how it is that you are worshiping with us, we are honored to have you with us this morning. Um, lots going on in the life and ministry of this church, but two things, uh, especially today, that are unique to today. The first is that at 12.15 uh, this afternoon, we have our annual meeting, which is our time to um, pause and to celebrate and to uh, put uh, a conclusion on our ministry of 2019 so much to celebrate, ending on a strong financial note, celebrating the first ordination in the history of this church, and so much uh, that we have to be thankful for. And so if you're planning to uh, return and be back with us, we look forward to that. If you are not, uh, I want to invite you now to turn to the back page of your bulletin, and you will see it says, full and associate members, your vote is important. And you'll see a proxy that is printed there. Um, we, we didn't provide a pair of scissors for everyone. And please don't do this during the sermon. It really does get distracting. But um, if you will fill out your proxy and separate it um, toward uh, the end of the service, if you want to ensure your privacy, we have envelopes available in the back. Um, but um, we really want, to, you have to have your name on this because we have to uh, check it against our membership roles. But all full and associate members are eligible to vote either at the meeting or via proxy. Um, and so we want to make sure that your voice is heard. And um, so please take a look at this if you're not coming back for the annual meeting. Um, we want to make sure that we have these proxies. So again, please fill this out or get a proxy card from the back. And if you want uh, an envelope, please uh, check in the back. Uh, one of our ushers or Wendy Gayer uh, can help you get that as well. So that's the first thing. And then also at 3 p.m. this afternoon, we have an amazing concert. You may have seen it featured in the Neapolitan section of the Naples Daily News this week. Um, you'll hear um, our two wonderful artists there with us, uh, Glenn Basham and Emerson Millar, the co-concert masters of the Naples Philharmonic, um, will be putting on a uh, wonderful concert, and they are also accompanied by uh, Dr. Jeremy Rieger. And so it is going to be uh, an amazing afternoon, and I would advise you that you might want to be here a little early, so doors will open at 2, the concert's is at three and it's going to be wonderful tickets are available in the gathering place following worship today or they'll also be available at the door so lots uh going on lots of amazing ministry lots of amazing concerts and of course the important annual meeting that always takes place each year on this sunday and so i invite you to uh, participate as you're able and again we are honored this morning and blessed by your presence those are all the announcements that we have uh, at this time. And so as a growing congregation, let us center our hearts and our minds as we prepare for worship this morning. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. 
Good and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And we ask, O oh God, that you would speak either through me or in spite of me. But that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. A few years back, there was a movie entitled Tucker. It's the story of a man who tried to fight the Detroit auto industry by attempting to introduce a car named after himself. In one scene, he is talking to his mother about his mother from the old country. She was Italian and had a very thick accent. And Tucker remembered that for many years when he was young, she would say to him, don't get too close to people, you'll catch their dreams. What she was saying in her broken English was, don't get too close to people, you'll catch their germs. But Tucker grew up thinking she was telling him, don't get too close to people or you'll catch their dreams. But isn't it a magical experience when you catch someone else's dream? But I actually read about someone who was determined not to do that. Jim Egan worked at the West, Computer, West Coast Computer Fair in 1977. His job was to help customers decorate their booths. Industry shows are the cheapest way to reach customers within the trade. But some undercapitalized entrepreneurs hardly had enough to rent a booth, much less pay for decorations. And so Egan was approached by a couple of long-haired kids who wanted some help with their display to make their booth look a little more flashy. Egan said that he had the displays for rent, but the kids said they were short of cash, but perhaps instead Egan might take some stock in their new company. Egan said he had seen a lot of those long-haired kids come and go in his 20 years in the business, so he would accept only hard cash. So Stephen Wozniak and Stephen Jobs did without their decorations, <laughs> fixed up their booth, and kept their Apple stock for themselves. And presumably Jim Egan is still decorating for hard cash only. Isn't it magical when you catch someone else's dream? The writer of the gospel, according to Matthew, tells us that Jesus was in Capernaum. John the Baptist was now in prison. And it seems more than coincidental that upon hearing of John's incarceration, Jesus begins his own ministry of preaching, taking up, as it were, where John left off, preaching about repentance, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, casting nets into the sea. 
And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And Simon and Andrew left their nets and followed him. And then going on, he sees another set of brothers, James, the sons of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately, the writer of Matthew tells us, they also left their ship and their father and followed Jesus. The first four disciples, the brothers Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and the brothers James and John, will continue to be the most singled out in Jesus' disciples throughout the gospel. All four are described as being actively engaged in the region's most prosperous industry, fishing. In fact, the sons of Zebedee have their own boat. There is no reason to see the first four disciples as especially simple or uneducated. The text describes them as actively and successfully involved in this prosperous enterprise. Nevertheless, when Jesus calls and invites them to follow me, there is no hesitation on their part. It would be difficult to overemphasize this unique and unusual nature of Jesus' invitation. In the Jewish tradition throughout the history of mentors and gurus and sages, disciples sought a teacher. The teacher did not choose students. Yet you did not choose me, Jesus said, I chose you. And Jesus' offer of a new job description, fish for people, is accepted without question. That these men immediately walk off the job to follow Jesus preaches preaches its own sermon on the profound power and presence of Jesus. Note how he also calls a, his call has a prophetic ring to it. Compare it to Elijah's call of Elisha. Jesus is not issuing a mere invitation, but he's giving an order. At the sound of Jesus' call, Simon Peter and Andrew leave their nets, their profession, and their livelihood. And then James and John not only leave fishing, but they abandon family and the security of a trade and tribe in order to follow Jesus. The way that the gospel, according to Matthew, presents this call narrative is that not one of them hesitated for even a moment. When this same story is told in the gospel according to John, the first disciples take some time to respond to Jesus. John the Baptist announces boldly to them who Jesus is, and then the would-be disciples check out Jesus' living quarters, and they have a chance to think it over. I don't know about you, But I prefer the way that the Gospel of John presents it. The emphasis in Matthew's Gospel is on what we don't know and yet we still respond. Matthew seems to want us to take a leap, jump into the dark. We receive some assurance of who Jesus is in the Gospel of John and we can take some time to decide. 
We don't want to follow blindly some leader that we don't know. We need John's emphasis on getting things straight and taking time. But the writer of Matthew is right. Our scripture reading this morning seems spot on. No matter how much time we study up or carefully make our decision to follow Jesus, we don't know what lies ahead when we respond. Dr. J. Edwin Orr, a retired professor of church history, describes the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit during the Welsh revivals of the 19th century. As people sought the infilling of the Holy Spirit as they did, they began to confess their wrongdoings and attempt to make restitution. This unexpectedly created severe problems for the shipyards along the coast of Wales. Over the years, the workers had pilfered all kinds of things. Everything from wheelbarrows to hammers had been stolen. However, as people sought to be right with God, they started to return what they had taken. With the result that soon the shipyards of Wales were overwhelmed with the returned property. There were such huge piles of returned tools that several of the yards put up signs that read, If you have been led by God to return what you have stolen... Please know that the management forgives you and wishes you to keep what you have taken. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I would be inspired by this sort of revival in our nation today. I would get excited about a world in which people begin to take account for their wrongs. A world where we trust each other more. Or, as Brene Brown writes, believe that people are doing the best they can. A world where no child goes to bed hungry or worried about the roof over their head. A world without domestic violence or human trafficking. A world without fear or poverty. A world without stigma for those with mental illness or addiction. Wouldn't you be inspired by a world where we catch each other's dreams? I believe that kind of world is possible because of this kind of church that makes a difference. A group of people who have gathered now for 47 years seeking to be faithful in following Jesus as he calls us to leave what we're doing. Even if we don't know where we're going or where Jesus will always take us. But as we see a new decade of ministry on the horizon, may we be inspired to catch each other's dreams. It will make all the difference.